Hey y'all, this is Harmony Keat. Welcome to The Conscious Podcast. I'd like to issue a disclaimer that this podcast seeks to be a safe space. However, what is said here is not a direct representation of Covenant College's views and opinions. So sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy season two. Welcome back to the new season of The Conscience. Yes. We are yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have with me some newbies on the block. I'm your co-host, Eric Peoples, and I'll let these other people introduce themselves. Hey, y'all. It's Harmony Keat. What's up, y'all? It's Armand Barkari Butler. And I'm Eden Anyabwile. And we are the conscience for this season. It is good to be back. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's just good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Brand new. All right, you know how we do. And for those who don't know, we like to start off each podcast with a question. And so this today's question is going to be candy corn, yes or no? Yes. No. Okay. I'm about it. I'm about it. It's a seasonal candy you know, like you can't, you can't you go can't through go October without eating. It's simple. That is the worst candy created. I don't. Are you, you serious? Any good it's like food a lazy of a person. It's, it's disgusting. I don't know, and I have. I fail it. to see your argument. It I makes, think it's great. It makes me think of leaves, and I don't know. Just all right. <laughs> okay. Right. It's like your taste in the fall. Like you can taste the no. jackets. You and can hats. taste the pumpkins. No. You can taste it's exactly because the candy corn been in the bottom of the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can taste them. All right, all right. All right. Um, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about black representation in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, as you guys know, my mind immediately goes to all this this new movies and wave of producers like Jordan Peele. And movies like Black Panther and shows like Blackish, and even <laughs> and even to establish, you know, artists like Tyler Perry. Um, this is important for us as not only students but as Covenant College students mm-hmm. to think and to know why this is getting so much excitement, why mm-hmm. people are excited about yeah. this new wave of diversity. And this not this is not even just for you know, the African-American community. It's for mm-hmm. all communities, like yeah. Crazy Rich Asians, uh, this whole new, um, this array array of diversity mm-hmm. and yeah. opinion is important. So we're going to rock, we're going to walk through the history of that on this episode and why, you know, where we come from, where we are now, and talk, just chop it up about why this is important. So let's begin. Yeah, so... Um just so we're all on the same page, have a little bit of context. A lot of what we're going to be talking about today um, kind of started with minstrel shows. Um, What what is that? No, no, no. Minstrel shows um, started in the States um, in the early and mid-19th century as a form of entertainment. Mm. Um, And there were a lot of different acts that were like songs, dances, skits, but all of it um, was based off of making fun of black people, whether that like was... their appearance or... Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, like, a lot of their physical features were exaggerated. Um, the way they spoke was made fun of. Right. Um, all these sort of things. So that's kind of... When we're talking about black representation, we need to think about how it's rooted um, in racism and mm. prejudices from, mm. like, minstrel shows in the early 19th century. Wow. And in many of these minstrel shows, it wasn't even really black people that were being represented as, like, these 
makeshift, I guess, yeah. black people, because there would be white people that would go into blackface mm-hmm. and in these exaggerated features where they would just represent black people doing like crazy, silly things. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it would just, it would just be this extreme form of entertainment mm-hmm. um, for these predominantly, if not all white um, audiences. Yeah. Um, and then this even goes into cartoons that like we yeah. grew up watching as kids. So like, Wait, what do you mean? so like Mickey Mouse, Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes, things yeah. like that. Where you Mario? see Mario? Yeah, yeah, like Donald the, Duck. Yep. Donald <laughs> Duck. Oh, oh no! Absolutely. Uh, all these things where you see the characters doing like where they're like being very violent and they're making these weird obscure jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just made to like make fun of. Um, black people. So all cartoons, like all cartoons like Looney Tunes or Mickey Mouse were making fun of black people and the things they did? It wasn't necessarily that, like, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, some of the more modern producers were saying this to you, like, hey, let's make fun of black people right now. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of visual cues that come from the minstrel show. So right. for wow. example, oh, okay. um, when you talk about, like, Mickey Mouse, one of the visual cues might be white gloves. Mm-hmm. And the white gloves used to actually be um, what was considered formal wear for the slaves. And so, like I said, that started with minstrel shows, but you see that in, like, the little Mickey Mouse character. Even, like, his face, you know, he kind of has, like, a little bit of a larger nose and mm-hmm. is obviously, like, he's, like, black. Like, mm-hmm. the pigment-wise is, like, very black. And, mm-hmm. again, like, Mario has the gloves and things like that. So yeah. there are, like, little cues that can kind of tell you um, or maybe suggest where where some of that imagery is coming from. Right. Okay. And if you want to to get more information about mm-hmm. this, there's a really good um, YouTube video by Slate, and it's called "The Racist History of Cartoons." Yeah. It's short. Wow. It's to the point. Um, yeah. And it's Pretty it's well very done. informational, so you can yeah. go there. And that all of that is really informative, but I find myself asking, why does this matter today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it matters because of how hurtful and impactful these things were in a negative way, Mm -hmm. Um, especially to people of color. I think um, it's something that is easily overlooked just because of things like Mickey Mouse and Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. And people look at these things and are like, wow, well, that's hurtful. That's not harmful. They're just cartoons. Mm -hmm. But like it's normalized. It's normalized. But people don't really realize where the origins of all these things come from. And that's, that's really important when we begin to analyze today's media mm-hmm. um, and try to understand where these, these images, how they are being portrayed today, whether, mm. you know, very covertly or overtly. Mm. And so we have to ask ourselves, how? How, how are these images being portrayed? Mm. Yeah, definitely. There's actually um, a pretty good article that kind of um, addresses what you're talking about. It's part of this collection of lectures on the psychology of women Um, and the author Caroline West is a professor of psychology at the University of Washington so she kind of goes Mm. um, specifically into images of black women in popular culture and she kind of talks about these three main figures the mammy figure the Jezebel Mm. and the sapphire is Mm. kind of what she's looking at there and there's a portion where she she talks about this in specific Um, And she said, according to African-American feminists, black women have most often been portrayed in three distinct images, as nurturing, self-sacrificing, asexual mammies, as seductive, sexually irresponsible, 
and promiscuous Jezebels and as angry, combative sapphires. Oh, yeah. Wow, I've seen that in a lot of TV shows and movies. Yeah, and I'm yeah. gonna just I'm gonna even throw one out there. I mean, uh, he's a black movie producer but mm-hmm. Tyler Perry I've seen this Ooh. in a lot of his movies yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think that's definitely interesting to note is that even though these things are starting from systems of racism and things of that sort um, we even as people of color can we're not we're not removed from capitalizing mm. on those images. We're mm. not like apart from that whole, you know, world. Like we are raised with some of these images mm. being projected on us, and so sometimes we actually reflect that. Mm. Um, so you know, Tyler Perry is kind of, kind of along that vein of like mm. he's actually playing into it as yeah. well. And it's what has sold for him. Obviously, yeah. it's yeah. what sells that is continuing to perpetrate a lot of this culture, or mm. has been perpetrating a lot of the stereotypes that we've seen in movies. Wow, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And to just bring home the point about why this matters, I know that for myself, when I was younger, I used to be told by women in my family to not dress like a hoochie mama, which kind of plays into Mm. this idea of like a sapphire of being like this overly sexualized image. Yeah. And how how does that look? Have you noticed anything like this? Yeah, I've heard that too. I like just remembered like two minutes ago um in high school my friends actually called me like grandmammy like they used the word mammy because Whoa. of like my disposition like, I was always just <laughs> I was always just very like gentle and like sometimes I would like bring if it was like a rough week I would bring like a cake or something we'd all eat it and so like mm. I just kind of exhibited those characteristics that like maybe triggered those the sort of words and images in their personal archives so Armand and Eric, what are some tropes that black men, but you specifically, have faced over the years? Yeah, um, there's a book called Images That Injured Pictorial Stereotypes in the Media. And chapter 11 kind of goes through African-American stereotypes, and they actually go through two dominant ones or two dominant categories for black men mm-hmm. that kind of come from the classic but very controversial uh, movie, The Birth of a Nation, mm. um, at, and by Griffiths, D.W. Griffiths, and these two these two portraits are the Sambo and the Savage. Sambo mm. meaning lazy, indolent, carefree, optimistic, and intellectually limited. So yeah. lazy and you know just that uh, image of just they don't they don't work, they don't do anything. And then yeah. the Savage is a synonym for <laughs> sexual prowess dangerousness and impulsiveness um those are the two big categories Mm -hmm. and for me personally you know i i just know like sitting in class or sitting in even in a school environment i always feel that kind of pressure to whether or not people see me as dumb and that's it's always Mm -hmm. that pressure on my mind whether i want I don't know where it come, where it came from, but just like people are gonna see me as lazy if I do right. this, or yeah. I'm not hardworking, and it kind of pushes you. I don't know if you feel this, Armand, but it like mm-hmm. it just kind of drives you to work and yeah. kind of even overwork yourself. Yeah, in in high school, um, for me personally, growing up, uh, I went to a high school similar to the demographic of Covenant, and my biggest thing was like never let anybody call you lazy. And, like, my mom always told me that, like, Mm -hmm. never let a teacher call you that or a coach call you that. So, like, 
I would always go above and beyond just mm-hmm. to not even be equal to my w- white peers. Mm-hmm. And also, like, just the thought of, like, people, like, being in conversations and people asking me, like, can you read or can you do this? Or, like, Ooh. just, like, mm-hmm. the assumption that I'm illiterate or not articulate or not smart mm-hmm. um, have definitely been things I've always dealt with. And especially, like, the assumption that, like, I'm aggressive or I'm hostile, yeah. like, yeah. has always been an issue. Yeah. That's interesting. It's funny because, um, again, we have different experiences, but when you said, we're talking about, like, being lazy, that just kind of reminds me of some of the values that, like, my dad had in particular. Mm. Like, mm. of course, not being lazy is something that everyone should strive to do. But right. I just, when you said that, it reminded me that was kind of, like, a prominent point. Mm-hmm. Um that my dad would kind of put for you know for our good but just hearing you say that makes me wonder like oh maybe is there something else there of like his experience Mm -hmm. sort of informing the way he wants to raise us of like Mm -hmm. being living in that fear um or maybe the assumptions of others that he's lazy and whatnot and so he's like wants his children to to be be working and be busy yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and again guys we bring all of these things up to show where black representation has come from and where it is now and why Mm -hmm. black people are so excited to see um, how us as a culture and as a people have been highlighted Mm. in um, Mm -hmm. this day and age of social media and movies and things Mm. like that. Exactly. For instance, uh, like the movie Black Panther, I remember my first time seeing Black Panther was with Naira and a group of us fellow black students Mm -hmm. and I remember just sitting in a movie theater and at one point beginning to cry um, Mm -hmm. just because seeing something that is so relevant to my past and the way I was brought up and the things I had to deal with Mm -hmm. be displayed Mm -hmm. on a a movie screen and Mm -hmm. be displayed in such a major way Mm -hmm. that had such an impact on um, our culture as a whole Mm -hmm. and also the world um, was such a powerful thing for me to see yeah. And when I was in high school, I was introduced to the show A Different World, where I just got to see black students, black college students just living their life and it not being anything like yeah. super exceptional or anything. It was just them living their life and going through just everyday things. Mm-hmm. And wow. just even those little things that just being so impactful for yeah. me of just like, oh, I don't have to do extra in order to be extraordinary kind of thing and that was just really big for me and even being in an environment where there aren't a lot of people that look like me I can Mm -hmm. still hold on to my identity and that still be big yeah yeah definitely I think um my experience that's kind of similar to what you guys are talking about um I was raised on a lot of older tv shows one of them is good times Mm. um it's a kind of show about a black family and there's one (laughs) there's one episode where I think the youngest uh finds a painting of black Jesus and so he Mm. like brings it home and is kind of excited about it and you know the family is kind of like laughing at him because that's just not the norm Mm. then or now really to think of a black Jesus right um but he like points out this verse from Revelation um where it kind of describes Jesus as being, like, darker skin with fiery eyes and things like that. And I remember that was just really impactful for me personally. Mm -hmm. And even now, as we're learning about different doctrines and theology and things like that, Mm -hmm. when we talk about, you know, like, God as our father, for example, Mm -hmm. for me, that's always harder to relate to because I imagine a God that looks nothing like me. Or when we're talking about, you know, everyone being made in the image of God, I'm thinking of an image that is so unlike mine. And so um, things like that, where even it's like a painting of black Jesus and like 
this brief part of an episode can be really impactful for even major things in my life, such as, you know, mm-hmm. my belief system. And that's so crazy to me, just hearing not only your, your story, Eden, but also the rest of you, and just how this idea of how white normativity has shaped us. And for the record, sorry to cut you yeah, off, you Eric, did. but white normativity is pretty much the idea that what's white is normal or the standard. Mm. Um, so, for example, when we go to black church, we say, oh, we're going to black church. But when we go to a white church, we just say we're going to church. Whoa. Right, and that's White so... normativity. That is so, yeah, drop the mic on that. <laughs> uh, and that's so crazy, like I was saying, just because, you know, this, you know, we serve a God that has created this universe, that has created and shaped this very complex systems and worlds and things that we're still finding out today. And mm-hmm. we tend to put him in a box when it comes to racial and diversity and issues of that and say, mm. you know, there doesn't need to be that much diversity. There needs to be a lot of diversity. There needs to be a lot of um, diverse opinions, diverse thought, diverse mm-hmm. looks in all of our media that we're looking Because clearly yeah. Revelations says that all tribes and tongues and nations and cultures will be mm. present in heaven. Preach. And so that should look, <laughs> that should be represented in what we watch and what we're hearing and what we're seeing. You better and tell them, Eric. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just trying to <laughs> say it. Amen. But yeah, that's just, that is what we should be seeing in our media. And that's why we're excited when we do see glimpses of that. Okay, Eric, out here <laughs> preaching. For real? Yeah, hey, no hey, I, I got more to say if y'all want to Nah, nah, we gonna cut it right there. Um, <laughs> But I do want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of yes. The Conscience, yes. a brand new season. Yes, And um, we for sure have more to come. I want to thank my hostesses and my <laughs> hosts. Uh, yeah. And you'll, you guys know what it is. The Conscience is out. Peace. Big thanks to our editor, David Seaton, producer, Nyra Johnson, student development, and the entire McRae Zellner family for their work and effort to the conscience.